Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after. I am Tyler Trumbauer here, 9 o'clock sharp. We're starting things off Monday morning on time and on target. I am Tyler Trumbauer alongside my Monday, Wednesday, Friday guy. Tubby is also in the building. We're here, accounted for, present, on time, at least me. I mean, you're always accounted for and on time, not me. Right. Right. It's okay. It so happens. it took me a weekend to get that right. I apologize for my tardiness once again on Friday. If you missed that, dilemma. Tubby did an awesome job holding down the fort unexpectedly by himself for about thirty-five minutes or so. Um, I didn't have enough time to call a babysitter in, so he basically just ran wild and free. So That's Monday, okay. I was well trained and able to handle the situation. I don't know about that, but you were here nonetheless, at least pressing buttons like a like the curious George monkey and. Uh, well, your name is George, right? Yep. So, I mean, was I not supposed to say that? Did that did that like ruin your Batman, like Superman? You know, like your your Tubby. You're not you're not Clark. No, I Kent. think I think I think enough people have know who the actual Tubby is. So, oh, it's it's no big. It's like the worst kept secret on, on Borough campus. I I just I just say Tyler Trumbauer. Right. Because it's copyrighted. I well, am Tyler Trumbauer. It right. should be. Well, anywho, that's because you're gonna make a name for yourself. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, you're going to get, like, you know, someone said to me one time after I saw them for, like, possibly the last time in my life, they said, they said, you know, take care and I'll see you on the news one way or the other. Right. Because either, you know, you're going to do something great, you'll be on the news, like you win a Nobel Peace Prize or save someone from a burning building, or you're going to be, you know, going to jail. You're right. a criminal. Or the obituaries. I mean, you could be in the middle. Yeah. I mean, you could just you're end gonna up eventually see You could potentially see someone on the news. I just thought that was an interesting way to say it. Anywho, uh, Monday morning, of course, loaded football talk today. Starting off with Burrow football, we'll be joined by Mike Fanner in a matter of moments here on the show. We'll also we'll touch on college football because you know Temple Notre Dame lived up to the hype on Saturday night. Uh, I don't know if you saw that one, Tubby. And then of course we'll also talk about one that happened a little bit earlier in that day. Um, it finished while the Notre Dame Temple game was going on, and that was Miami Duke. Um, we'll talk about that debacle that was that eight lateral uh, game-winning touchdown that wasn't, if you will, for that one. I'm sure that's something we're going to have to keep in the memory banks to ask Mr. Gleason on Friday at 9.30 in his now permanent weekly spot here on the show. And then we'll get right into the NFL action as well. We got the Cleveland Browns to talk about. We got the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers almost beating the Bengals yesterday. And so much more to talk about. The Eagles had the best week of the NFL season, and they didn't even play. So we'll have all that and more coming up in the next 57 minutes or so. But first, let's get going with our Borough football talk. The first time we'll have a recap on a Monday morning in quite some time, Tubby, after back-to-back Thursday nighters. Yep. Um, so home finale, senior day, Sox Harrison Stadium was Saturday. A very cold Saturday morning. Mike will attest to that as well. We didn't have the best setup Saturday uh, afternoon at the at the stadium. You guys were were in a skybox, right? But I wouldn't call it top. a skybox. I would call it just like a bird's eye bird's nest. It was a crow's nest because nests are open. I right. think of a skybox as enclosed. Okay, it wasn't enclosed. But I like where your head's going. Slippery Rock wins 52-10. to 10. They liked where their head was at on Saturday. And to talk about that, we'll see where his head's at this morning. Mike Fenner's on the line now. Mr. Fenner, how are you? I'm absolutely outstanding, gentlemen. How are you? We're doing all right. We're here. So, I mean, there's that. Yeah. Talking sports. <laughs> this is what we love to do. Um, sure. So, uh, Mr. Fenner, the uh, SRU Rock 8-1 now, 5-1 in the PSAC West with the 52-10 to 10 victory over Edinburgh. Edinburgh moves to 0-9, 0-6 in the conference. Winless at home for the first time since 1966. What do you make of this ball game, which I think was over by about the end of the first quarter? Um, I mean, when talking to head football coach Scott Browning after the game, he was extremely complimentary of this football team that they faced in SRU. Uh, and I think any time it came to you know, why did your team struggle so much or why were things not going well? You know, he was complimentary of the way that they were doing things. I mean, this team is a complete football team. And he said, you know, he talked to us earlier on in the week and said, you know, maybe there's a chance we could sneak up on this team. And afterward, he admitted, you know, I may have overlooked some things, may have underestimated the quality of the team they are. Uh, but especially after the IUP win a week prior, he said he was really impressed with the way they played, uh, an absolute Juggernaut on the ground when talking about running the ball and stopping the run. Those two things really are, you know, what championship teams are built on. 
And uh, that, that team was something else on Saturday. It certainly was. One thing that Coach uh, did note is that this, this senior leadership, uh, you know, whether they have 11 seniors, I believe it was, seven on one side of the ball, four on the other. And uh, Edinburgh, of course, honored their seniors, but only had five of them and three of them in uniform for Saturday. So really the discrepancy in experience, I think, showed. But this team ran, what did they end up running? 90-some plays, I believe it was, on Saturday. I'm sure you got the accurate number for me. Ran 101 two weeks ago. Uh, they just came out early and often, and I, I think all their scoring drives were about two minutes and 30 seconds. Am I wrong? Yeah, it was uh, 90 snaps exactly on the on target there. And then with their drives, uh, five of the seven scoring drives took less than two minutes. And the first drive of the game at two minutes and 39 seconds, the opening drive of the football game where they scored a touchdown was the longest scoring drive they had uh, on the afternoon. So that was a team that played with a ton of up-tempo pace, uh, and, they're, and they're very, very good at it. That they really are. They took care of business on that day. Tubby, did you get, did you, uh, get to put your eyes or ears on this action? For, for like a, a quick maybe five, ten minutes, I got to listen in. So that was like 30 SRU points in five, ten minutes, right? Pretty much, yeah. It, it wasn't it Was wasn't it the pretty. first five, ten minutes? It, it, no. It, it, it just wasn't pretty. I think I came in somewhere in the second half. Somewhere in the second half, Tubby was there. Okay, so in the first half, though, there were some points for Burrow. And one thing that... Uh, you know, was was I talked about on the broadcast is they were able to punch it in um, <clears throat> right at the end of the first half after getting a field goal in the first quarter to make it tw- to make it 31-10 at the half. And Burrow then received the opening kick of the third quarter. Um, and if they were able to take that down the field and score there, it would have been 31-17. Now, SRU's offense, no one looked like they were stopping them on Saturday, but at least that would have made that ball game different. How crucial was not only not scoring – but also not picking up a positive yard in that opening drive of the third quarter for Burrow, Mike. Yeah, I mean, that was extremely disappointing. That's one thing I talked with Coach after the game about. You know, you had to think with the 14-play drive, the 75 yards, the touchdown with Caratelli's great catch, the great throw consistent. You had to think maybe that's the turnaround point. Maybe that's the point where you get yourself going again. But with those three straight incompletions, you know, you come right out of the locker room and there's no momentum. There's nothing that they carry with them into the second half. Uh, a very disappointing start to the half. And then, you know, afterward, Slipper Rock just runs away with it uh, with three more touchdowns. So having no issue to do that. Um, and to me, you know, the ground game for the Rock was so balanced. We talked about it on the broadcast. I mean, they had plenty of help. It wasn't just Shamar Green. It wasn't just Julian Durden. They had Isaiah Neely. They had the quarterback, Dante Nania from Narnia, getting involved. Uh, so... I mean, these guys were unbelievable spreading it out, and not one player took over. It was actually the first time since 2013 against Bloomsburg where two guys went for 100 yards in the same game against Edinburgh. Yeah, running game was was dominant, but it also wasn't the only thing SRU was doing on Saturday. Um, one thing I forgot to mention in this all, if you guys don't follow this, is, is SRU is the 13th-ranked team in the nation in the AFCA poll 12th according to D2 football. So this is not only just a team that's in, in line to get a third straight PSAC title. They're also one of the top teams in the nation in Division Two for football. One thing of note, Mike, which I talked about after the game um, off air with you and I didn't get to look till now, is SRU, despite their quick offensive possessions and their quick scoring, I think this was mostly because of their second half trying to run out the clock, but they won the time of possession battle Slightly, but by about a minute and a half, um, they still held the ball more than Edinburgh despite scoring so quickly in such a rapid pace. That's what I was yeah, shocked to see when I looked at it. Yeah, pardon me. It's, it's a really bizarre number to look at when you consider how quick those scoring drives were. You're exactly right. Um, but I would attribute that more to their defense because I think you saw a ton of three and outs for it from Edinburgh, uh, much like the very first possession in that third quarter. I mean, you have drives where they're picking up two yards, three straight incompletions, maybe five yards, uh, and they're punting. So I think that had more to do with their defense than anything else, but still very bizarre to see that considering, you know, the seven touchdown drives with having the time of possession won. Certainly. Uh, so one quick note, looking at another discrepancy from the box score is uh, SRU finishes with 600 total yards of offense to Edinburgh's 215. I believe Correct me if I'm wrong, 600 is the seventh most an opponent has gained. Um, yes, the seventh highest figure against Edinburgh. 
Um, and their 377 yards on the ground is fifth by an opponent against Edinburgh. Edinburgh's 215 yards is the second lowest this season. The lowest was just a week ago against Mercyhurst when they finished that ball game with 206 yards against the Lakers. But lone bright spot in the day, Darren Massey, 15 catches, the junior redshirt junior wide receiver, uh, broke his own school record for single-game receptions with 15 as he had 13 in the season opener against St. Joseph's. Darren Massey, regardless of what's going on with this team, he, I think he's, he's got to be the number one bright spot, and I think maybe it's just because it's my heart, Mike, but I think the number two has to be Austin Reese. Yeah, no, you're certainly right. Uh, I mean, Massey's a warrior. He's, uh, he's been double and triple teamed all season long at times, I think especially until the emergence of Alex Caratelli where he's been able to help him out a little bit. But he's still getting plenty of look you know, defensively. These guys are trying to shut him down, take him away. Still has 15 catches. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous the numbers that he's putting up and the things he's doing. Just such an accomplished player. Uh, and, you know, if he, if he stays with it, keeps with it, and keeps the production that he's got right now, which, I mean, there's no doubt he'll be able to do that, barring an injury, uh, he should walk away from this place as one of the, if not the best, receivers uh, in Edinburgh football history. And with Austin Reese, you're exactly right. When you get down into the red zone area and even a little bit further out from that, you can now count on three points, and he delivered – you know, with his field goal attempt on Saturday, he's still a weapon in the punting game and uh, one of the bright spots like you talked about. So let's now go look around the PSAC, something you know I love, love to do here on the show. Um, you know, we were, one game we were watching was the uh, Clarion IUP game, Clarion coming off their first loss of the season and then having to go into, uh, you know, another gauntlet of a game facing IUP, a team that is also still, was still in the thick of things as far as chances for the PSAC championship, at least the Western Division representation in that title game in Week 11. Um, that was a ball game to watch. But IUP does get the victory 28-14 to against Clarion. So Clarion then now has two losses. So showing that Clarion can lose, maybe on their backloaded schedule, kind of proving them their true identity a little bit still, still nothing to be ashamed about if you're the Golden Eagles with this season. So let's just kind of paint the picture, Mike, as we were doing on the broadcast on Saturday. So now SRU faces Clarion here in this Week 10. Um, They host the Golden Eagles, does the rock. So SRU controls their own destiny. They win, and they're in the title game in Week 11 trying to get their third straight um, conference title. If Clarion wins, are they automatically in, or do they need some help from IUP? Uh, with the loss to IUP, it would appear that Clarion, with a win over Slippery Rock, would need IUP to lose to Gannon. But the good news here is that you know that's a quality Gannon Golden Knight football team. It's not quite the same team we saw from a year ago, maybe talent-wise, um, but that's going to be a Gannon team that still has a lot to fight for, still want to do the best they can, considering... Uh, this past Saturday, losing pretty badly to Cal, 42-21, two pretty good football teams. I think Gannon is really going to be hungry to get back in the win column against a quality opponent. So if you see Gannon beat IUP, Clarion beat Slippery Rock, you're talking about worst to first and the Golden Eagles winning the West uh, versus Slippery Rock, which would be the third straight division title. Um, trying to consider here if IUP has a scenario where they – yeah, I don't think IUP can win it now. I don't, can they? Well, let me see. So IUP had – had two losses, correct? Yeah. So they have two losses. Clarion has two losses. I mean, if I if IUP beat if IUP beats Gannon, and then and then Clarion beats the Rock, Clarion and IUP both have two losses. So wouldn't then IUP win the tiebreaker and represent the West? Actually, wait. You're right. Yeah, IUP only has one loss in the PSH West, along with Slippery Rock. Oh, that's right, because they yeah, that's correct. So well, actually, IUP owns a win over Clarion. A Clarion win over Slippery Rock gives it to IUP with a Crimson Hawk win. So IUP wins and needs Clarion to beat the Rock to get into the title game. So essentially, Clarion is the one that's out of it. They can only play spoiler. They're not really out of it. But, I mean, if Gannon beat IUP and then they, they beat the Rock. Yeah, that's their scenario. That's but their yeah, scenario. Each, each, each of those teams has a scenario where both games have to go a certain way. And Slipper, all they got to do is show up and win. Right, there you go. So now that we figured that out live on air, now we can figure that out. Tubby, <laughs> that's good, Tubby, that's how, good work. That's that, good work out of you guys. That was the struggle bus, wasn't it, really, right there. We were trying to figure yeah, that it out. 
Um, but anyway, it's more and, fun that way anyway. So <laughs> right, we'll be figuring out though. We'll be keeping an eye on those games. But our game, Edinburgh going on the road for the remainder of the season uh, at Seton Hill, noon kickoff against the Griffins, who are the only team to beat. SRU this season in a 41-38 to victory against the Rock earlier this season. The first time Burrow will be at Greensburg. This should be an early morning for us, Mr. Fenner. That's a noon kick at Greensburg, um, which is a couple-hour drive. So that's this is no quick trek up I-79 or something. What are your early thoughts on Seton Hill-Edinburgh matchup for this Saturday? This Seton Hill team is kind of sneaky. Uh, as you talked about, they're the only team that's beaten the Rock so far this season, which is an impressive victory in and of itself, no matter what you know, happened during that afternoon against the Rock. Um, it's also a team that had a game won against Cal, should have absolutely taken that football game and found a way to lose it, uh, 38-34. Also played Westchester tough. I mean, they've got three quality games with one win uh, under their belt this season. But, you know, it's kind of the same thing with Edinburgh. You consider some of the games they've played in uh, with the like of Cal, Gannon, Shippensburg. Those are easily winnable games for the Fighting Scots as well. They just don't have that one signature win that Seton Hill has, uh, still searching for their first win overall. But it's a team that's going to air the football out. We saw it a year ago, and they're doing much of the same. This team is not an effective rushing team whatsoever, and I think you're going to see a couple of teams that are going to try and throw, throw it around the yard and get their wide receivers involved. Um, I'm interested to see what Seton Hill looks like in person on Saturday because they've been really up and down. Um, their highs have been high, and their lows have been low. They've had some pretty big blowouts teams like IUP, uh, other teams in the West, such as that with talent, you know, on the other side. So I'm interested to see what this team presents. No F.J. Williams if he transferred to Mercer's in the offseason. We've already seen him uh, for the Lakers against Edinburgh, so that'll be different. Um, but they're not afraid to go and rotate quarterbacks either. That's one thing I noticed last year. Um, week to week, they'll play anybody, and they just want to kind of sling it around. Yeah, we'll have to see what uh, Seton Hill brings. They're certainly, as you said, probably a very solid roller coaster at Cedar Point would be a good way to describe their season. And this is the first time that Burrow is making a trip down there, correct, fellas? Correct. This yep. is only like the eighth time they've played Seton Hill overall, I think, right, Mike? I think it's the third. The I think third. it's the uh, last two years, and then this year's the first time they'll go there to Greensburg. There you go. So, be a nice trip. No, actually. Yeah. No? <laughs> Well, go think down, about it. Think, think, think about it. It's a noon kick. It's like a right. three-hour drive. Right. You can do that math during a commercial break. Real quick for you PSAC junkies looking on the Eastern Division. <clears throat> Two big games stick out, much like the Western. East Stroudsburg, Westchester, and Shippensburg, Kutztown. Essentially, that's deciding who's going to represent the East right there. I'm not sure. We can't even figure out the Western Division scenarios. I'm not even going to try on the East. But those two games I know are going to decide because Kutztown won last week to keep their hopes alive. Shippensburg is right right in it. East Strasburg. So if you think about that, Mike, Edinburgh has played played two out of the four teams that are in the mix of it for the Eastern Division title. So, you know, it's not like we we didn't luck out when we went across the state. No, didn't exactly uh, get the, the best, the most ideal schedule against the East. But I don't know what standings you're looking at. I'm, I'm thinking Lockhaven and Cheney are looking pretty good right now at the top of the East. I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know either. But Lockhaven did have back-to-back wins this year. They're at Bloomsburg. That too. I don't think that's really going to matter too much. That's Mr. Fenner. Uh, Mike, while we got you on the line, we can just make the announcement. Made it last night via Twitter. But we'll have... PSAC Women's Soccer Quarterfinal Action right here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. For you fine folks tomorrow at 1 o'clock, I'll do play-by-play. Mike Fenner will do the color commentary only on 88.9. No television, so you got to listen, got to paint the picture yourself. Um, EdinburghNow.com, tune-in app, streaming. Edinburgh, the fourth seed in the, in the conference playoffs. Kutztown, the fifth seed, a team that Mike and I have already broadcasted earlier this year, that matchup in the snow. Remember that day, mm-hmm. Mr. Fenner? So that should be an interesting one. We'll have you on tomorrow. We're going to make you work twice in consecutive days to come on tomorrow and preview that matchup between the Golden Bears and the Scots. Does that sound good? Oh, that sounds great. And by the way, I think you're going to be the one painting the picture, sir. That's what I'm going to try to do. You guys can, can, can imagine it, and I'm going to try to paint the picture, and Mike's just along for the ride. So that's Mr. Fenner, <laughs> Borough football, Borough soccer tomorrow. We'll talk to you tomorrow, sir. Have a good day. All right, you two guys, take it easy. That's Mr. Fenner there on the show. Good stuff from him, running a little long. But as if you didn't, if you don't follow any of us, our show, all the like on Twitter. I don't know what you're doing. However, if you don't, right there is the announcement. We will be broadcasting a women's soccer tomorrow, Tubby. Now, if they they win at home tomorrow, yes, 
is there a scenario because we're all about scenarios on this Monday morning? Correct. Yeah, we're painting. We're, th- we're, we're painting out. pictures and, and figuring out scenarios as we go on the fly. Is there a scenario now? If they win, they could potentially either a take the short trip up to Gannon. Correct. Or is there a scenario where they could stay home and host? Yes, they would need all upsets. Everybody would have to. They upset. would need seeds one, two, and three to lose. Okay. It's a long shot, but it is possible. It could happen. They would need the eighth seed to beat the one seed. They would need the seventh seed to beat the second seed. They would need the sixth seed to beat the third seed. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. But that Excellent. that is the note, is, is if Edinburgh is the lone remaining, if, if they're the highest seed remaining after the quarterfinals, that's who hosts the final four, not just the next game. They host the final four. So they host, they're the neutral site for the other game as well, okay. coming into it. So... There's a chance, obviously, because only the first four teams have a shot. Right. Um, well, not necessarily the fifth seed could, too, because if the top three seeds lose and then in the event Kutztown would win. I mean, you could really – you could go on and on with right. this. But essentially, it's, the, it's, the, lone, it's the, the highest seed remaining after the quarterfinals hosts. So then Edinburgh would not only host the semis, if they would then win the semis, they would host the finals, too. So – Right, but it's looking good for Gannon to host it because Gannon has only one loss, but that was in their last match against East Strasburg, four to two. So they have lost; they're coming off their first loss of the year. But they are they coming coming in last week. They were the top ranked team in the nation, Division Two women's soccer. So they're a solid squad, even though they're right. so close. Edinburgh faced them earlier this year. Some adverse conditions, though, wind, rain, like um, wasn't there, but just from talking to people and just you know we had the same conditions here on that same night. weren't pretty. To say the least. So yep. maybe on an, on on a uh, different field, a different day, um, who knows what could happen? But yeah, we'll keep you posted on that. That's a one o'clock kick, twelve fifty pregame coverage will start solely on eighty eight point nine Fighting Scots Radio, and uh, we're hoping to bring the rest of that to you if Edinburgh would win. At, at, uh, Mike and I would go up to uh, Gannon. But interesting, the note tub, keep this on your radar. That Friday kickoff, if Edinburgh were to win and go to the semifinals, is eleven a.m. Early morning rising. Early morning, me and Tubby. Might need to hold down the fort for a little bit by himself, but we'll keep it. It could posted. happen. I could roll right out of the show and roll right up there. Well, I don't, I'm not saying you need to do that. Oh. You could. Oh, I'm, I'm just saying you might need to hold I'm things just, down I'm here. Just, I'm just trying to be dedicated. Right. You know? I appreciate that. So we're not, we're not dedicated enough to go commercial free. This ain't PBS. We've got to hit a break on the show. Pay come back. We've got to come back. Good stuff. Football will continue. We'll go college football, Temple, Notre Dame, Miami, Duke. For the eight lateral kickoff return and walk-off fashion that probably wasn't or shouldn't have been, but it was. And then we'll get to the NFL as well. A lot of stuff to get to here on a Monday morning. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more in the morning after after this. 9.27 here. 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after. Thank you all for tuning in. Tyler Trumbauer, Tubby with you here on a Monday morning. Don't forget EdinburghNow.com and the TuneIn app as well. We're all live streaming 365, 24, it was actually 24 7, 365 the other way around, but I messed that up. Uh, don't also forget about our podcast on edinburghnow.com so you can listen to this nonsense and more. Um, anytime you like. Anytime you like, right there. That's on demand listening, as of course we have other podcasts as well. Um, it won't turn off, as that's a strict podcast, which Tubby has. has I have guest appeared on. Guest appeared. They say they, they, don't, they don't ask for him, he just comes on and they, they're afraid to say no. Right, because I'm a I'm a large individual. Because you can see about there's two mediums to that. They also post a YouTube video, right? And then uh, and you then know, which is interesting audio. because they have actually asked me to be on the show before you even barged in, right? But I have yet to be on, and you've been on twice, right? Makes be- sense because my nerd force is stronger than yours. But that's okay. Well, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bring a lot of content to the table. I would just bring my 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 name. I y- mean, if, you're, if Tyler Trumbauer is attached to the podcast, it would probably be the highest listened to podcast. Okay, you don't, I, you don't agree. I don't have enough evidence to support there you or, go. or to now you're decline your cane. Now you're now you're learning. You can't I, just start. You know, I just can't say start. things that might have worked on some Cleveland sports talk shows or some internet based nonsense you used oh to talk. Oh my in, lord! But not here on the morning here after. I want, we go. I want facts and evidence here, here on the morning after. Here we go. Um, but just a little hint here. Just a little hint. Little hint. Little hint. Um. There might be some interesting stuff happening between the morning after, and it won't turn off Ooh. here in the last month. That's what they call a tease in that's, the business, That's folks. what they do call a tease. Well not, done. not sure what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, and where it's going to happen. 
but it but might it could happen. But it might happen. All right, what did happen is an unfortunate loss for Duke football on Saturday uh, with the eight lateral walk-off kickoff return for Miami in their first game after firing head coach Al Golden. If you haven't seen this video, I don't know where you've been, but you need to get to a computer, a mobile device, an internet source now and watch this video. Tubby, have you seen it? You're going to say no. I am going to say no. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. I'm so, that's, that's a bad job out of me. I need I need to fail trombone. But this is like, this is, I'm not even going to do that because it's just, I, I don't, because I've been getting yelled at for getting on you too much. I, I, well, I, I That's how I improve. But, but focus, but focus here for a okay. second. This is, the, this is probably one of the biggest storylines from the sports weekend. Mm-hmm. And you don't know about it Monday morning. And you call yourself a sports fan. You can't, you can't half watch a Cleveland Browns game while doing housework with your wife, which I'm not going to make fun of you for. Okay? Right. Because I half watch a lot of football and a lot of stuff while I do work. Right. But to you to leave the weekend without being knowledgeable of at least the top four sports storylines, I'm going to question you on that. Okay. I, I never said I was a good fan. I just said I'm I was le- a fan. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. Anywho, Miami Duke football, for those of you that did watch the game, Saturday night, Miami does eight laterals. Gets mm-hmm. this ball down the field, scores walk-off touchdown. Now, there's multiple. I've watched this, and I watched this first replay when they did a game break on the Notre Dame game. The initial things that I took away was, A, I think it was the second lateral. The guy's knee was down. Okay? And then he runs in, and that's fine. The second thing is they threw a flag. Not only did they throw a flag, they made the call. But then they go to review because all scoring plays are reviewed. They go to review. Nine minutes of review. And they come back saying, not only was no one's knee down, not only were all the laterals legal, not only did no one step out of bounds, but we're picking up the flag. It was a touchdown, game over, Duke or Miami wins. Right. Are you watching it now? I'm watching it right now. They get caught up because I'm behind and I'm trying right, to... I, I'm not trying to get on that. I'm, I don't have enough minutes to waste on this fact that you didn't watch the game, okay? It's already 9.31. I didn't get to half the things I wanted to. Okay. I'm just asking because I know you're not paying attention. So you're either sharing nonsensical videos on people's walls on Facebook nope. or you're watching the video. I'm watching it. Okay. So that way I can contribute to I your show. I got you. <laughs> it's our show. Right. Well, I mean, your name's on the top. You got top. That building. doesn't mean anything. But you're here every day. That is true. The Atlantic, so anyway. Right. It came out the ACC has suspended the on-field officiating crew as well as the replay official and communicator following that game. Um, so it will a two ACC games that all of those individuals will be suspended for. And this is what the ACC came out with yesterday with, with an with a announcement. They said the replay official erred in not overturning the ruling on the field that the Miami player had released the ball prior to his knee being down. If called, this would have ended the game, which I noticed right then. Right. Second, the on-field officials erred by failing to penalize Miami for an illegal block in the back at the Miami 16-yard line. If called, that would have placed the ball at Miami's 8-yard line, and the game would have been extended for an untimed down. Third, a block in the back foul was called at Duke 26-yard line. After the officials conferred, which is appropriate, they correctly determined that the block was from the side, which resulted in the flag being picked up. The replay official was not involved in the decision to pick up the flag. However, the referee did not effectively manage communication and properly explain why the flag was picked up. So there you go. That's one misnomer that people thought it was due to replay they picked it up. However, it was not. Now, now, who's saying it wasn't? You know what I mean? Like, right. Maybe they're just saying that to cover their butts because you can't. Like, I, Mark, Mike Pereira was weighing in on this and was calling BS from the minute this happened, saying that you, that you can't pick up a flag. You can pick up maybe an egregious error, but you can't pick up a, just a normal block in, the back, black, block in the back flag with replay. Fourth, in addition, the on-field crew failed to penalize a Miami player for leaving the bench area and entering the field prior to the end of the play. This foul would have negated the touchdown because it would have been enforced as a dead ball foul. That's a lot of errors. A lot. For a game. Well, I'm, I mean, if you're going to mess up, go big or go, stay home. So, now my question to you is, Mr. Tubby. <coughs> yes, sir. Now, the ACC can offend, uh, suspend these officials for two games. They can come out and say, this, this, and this, we messed up. Our apologies to, to Duke uh, for, you know, costing them a win, essentially. Um, but do you go a step further and award the win to Duke? Now... 
Duke, this is now, there is no precedent for this. So right. it's not like this has ever happened before. Right. But it's not like people say, oh, you know, this, this play with six minutes and 27 seconds left in the third quarter cost us the game. We should have won that game. Okay, maybe. But it's not as easy as this. It's, it's simple that if you just take this play away and say that the first bullet point, I read four bullet points. The right. first one is his knees down, the game's over. Okay, the, the other three errors shouldn't matter, shouldn't have counted, shouldn't even have transpired. Because that's all fruit because of the, the poison play, tree. The play should have ended right there after the second lateral. Right. So because you just say this play's dead there, Miami or Duke wins, Miami loses. The the lateral, the return doesn't count. Would you do that if you're the ACC? I don't think so. I mean, the only time I've heard of them vacating wins is after a school's been uh, punished for like recruiting violations or okay, but that's after wrong. the fact. That's after the season. I, I know. I know. But there that's is no I'm precedent. Saying. So. All of this stuff came out, like the, the suspension and all this stuff and, and showing that the refs were wrong came out post the game, after right. the game. Right. Right. Which is corrective action taken. I, I, don't, I think you leave it as stance. I think you leave it as a Miami win. Because, yes, the referee crew and everybody involved was shown to be at fault, shown that they messed up. But the corrective action has been taken. I mean, that crew has been suspended for two games. And things will, will be better from the officiating crews from here on out. But I, I, I think you got to go with how the game ended. you got to go with how they originally ruled it. In the grand scheme of things. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it would have been more. Like, it would have been weighted more. Like, if there was something on the line for either teams. But obviously Miami isn't going to go anywhere post but, but why does that matter? That the game I think that, I think it's a factor, but I, I mean, don't think, think about it. The game mattered for for them because that Duke, this Duke coach, you know, Duke's not known for its football. No, a win's a win. You beat a Miami program. Sure, it's a downtrodden Miami program. Their first coach, but their still, first that's a win. feather in his cap. I get where you're going. And with then, this. The, and then now, this first win for this new, for this coach at Miami, his first win as a head coach is now a fluke. Is now going to have an asterisk by it for the remainder of of eternity. He's. I mean, why does it matter that it's not the BCS yeah, but I don't title think, game? I, I, don't, I don't think you want to go down this rabbit hole. I mean, if, if you're saying that your, your, ref, your officiating crew was so bad and so ineffective that now you have to reverse the entire decision of the game and but give it But it's not to- that they're so ineffective. I'm not, I'm not questioning them from, from, the, from the time the game kicked off in the first quarter till the, till the end. I'm, I'm questioning them from that one last play. That's all I'm doing. So if there's another instance where one play, the final play of the game, will decide the outcome and you could switch it, I think you should switch it. I'm not saying that it's because, oh, God, there was 10, 12 missed penalties in this game. Multiple of them caused the outcome, the change of this contest. We're going to switch it because so many things can – there's so many variables. Right. If it ha- if you can pick different ga- different points in a game. But if this pres- but if this precedence is set, then you're going to have every coach that has a bad loss going to go back over and try to put it through the NCAA to well, uh, how you know, many- they missed this call uh, and and this really affected the call when it may not have. Tubby, you're you're not understanding my point. My point is that if it's only if it's the final play of the game. I don't want coaches to go through game tape and find a play with 312 left in the third quarter that cost them, arguably but cost I'm saying, them the game. But, I'm but sa- no, yes. you're not going to open that door. Yes, you are. If the, NC, if the ACC and the NCAA come out with a joint statement and say, due to, the, due to the timing of this play, due to this being the final play of the game, that this allows us to, to, to say that it was it – was, you know, that the play would, if, if the guy is down, which we're going to call him, mm-hmm. the score would have stayed the same, clock would have been zero, no other outcome would have, you know, no, no other variables are in it. That is why we're awarding Duke the win and not Miami. I don't think you can do that. I, I honestly don't think you can do that. I think it opens up too much for interpretation. I think that somebody will try to game the system at that point. I mean, especially if there's a bad loss in, in another game like this. If there's a bad loss in another game where it comes down to a walk-off like a Michigan State-Michigan, if there was a penalty in that game, okay? Right. I'm, I'm with you. If there was a penalty in that game, I mean, that wasn't really a walk-off, 
but there's multiple but seconds still, left. It, yeah. So just minimal seconds left. You'd have to look at that and see, you know, what would have happened there. But, I mean, I, I got to find games. They're not coming off the top of my head. But if you're finding a game where it's a walk-off, where it's a Hail Mary at the end of the game, all right, with right. time expiring. I mean zero seconds left on the clock after that play. That is the only time this can happen. I mean, that's an egregious error. You found multiple errors on a play by an officiating crew. Multiple errors, not only with the officiating and how you're calling the game, but the official's job to, to communicate that a flag was picked up. Because now that's compounding this problem. And most of America, for at least all of yesterday and probably most of today who haven't read that or seen that, been reported, think that the officials picked up the flag because of what they saw in replay. Not after they conferred as a crew, which is illegal. It's illegal to pick up a flag based on what you saw in replay. Right. But most people in America think that's what happened because that's another mistake by this, by this referee that he was unable to communicate that. So not only was, the, uh, there, was there poor officiating, there was poor management of the game at the end there. And so you're saying all this constitutes a reversal of the win-loss. Right. Because if you change that, if you correct that call, it ends the game differently. I think it should be uniform. I don't think you should just have this in a big game like you like you were trying to go down that road earlier. Because think about it. Think about if this did happen in a big game. Right. So say that so say the ACC and the NCAA then change it because it's the BCS title game or it's one of the playoff games. Right. Why didn't you do that for the ACC game in week 8, week 9? Why didn't you do it then? Why are you doing it now? Why does that game mean more than these games? There's money on the line. College sports is all about money. So oh, yeah. there's money on the line here. Right, with the sponsors and the TV. And right. The, right. So there's money on the line. Why do it then instead of them? Sure, there's more money on the line, but <coughs> Duke and Miami, that means a lot to them. Especially those Miami players who got embarrassed the week before. Had their head coach fired. Now they got to win. But it shouldn't have counted. Duke, how many times are those guys going to win in their career? How many times are they going to win? How many times are they going to make headlines for winning? Now they, now they make headlines for a loss in a game they should have won. No one else was watching that game, really. It wasn't a guarantee. That wasn't a bona fide. That's not something Josh Gleason was probably tuning into. It's not a big game. But now it's making headlines because it's the wrong thing. You switch that. You make things right. I think more people are going to be happy than unhappy with it. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too old. I I just don't see you. I don't see the. I just don't see you reversing the, the actual outcome of the game, over it. I just don't. Well, right. Well, that's that. I mean, I'm just I'm just saying. I'm think I wanted to get your opinion on it. I think I think it's 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 plausible because of the just one play, just because of the one. I can play see your just. You I mean, make. you have some valid points, and I see your justification behind it. I just don't think that you can actually do it. That's gotcha. what I'm saying. Gotcha. Temple, Notre Dame. Temple, Notre Dame, yes. Let's get into it real quick before the break. Thank you. Temple, Notre Dame. Do you have more respect? I mean, this was a heck of a football game. It was. You actually watched this game? I've seen parts of it. I was, I, I'm a busy guy. I'm, stop, my Saturdays stop. are busy. Don't even, don't even start with this busy nonsense. Okay, sorry. I told you I don't want to hear that. Yes, sir. The, this game, do you have more respect for Notre Dame? Notre Dame fell two spots in the rankings. Do you agree with that? I don't think they should have fell that far. I don't think it should have fallen at all. Right. If you're going to bump up Notre Dame one spot for just narrowly beating the 21st ranked team in the nation, okay, mm-hmm. why do they get knocked down two spots for nearly beating the ninth ranked team, now eighth ranked team in the nation? Why are you disrespecting Temple? Temple's a legit team. Temple still has a shot of making one of the top BCS, title, BCS bowl games in New Year's. There's still a chance to be with the New Year's Six. Yep. Why? I mean, it's just because they're a smaller school. So, like, it's just like in March Madness with smaller schools have to do more in college basketball to get yes. the respect that bigger programs do. Yes. That's not right. You're on point. That's not right. I agree. I don't like it. It's not. And, it, and it's because the ratings are like the coaches' poll. You know, and the sport is, is it the sports writers that also get a vote? Associated or, Press. Associated Press. That's the poll most people use. There also is the USA Today coaches' poll. Right. And it's. I don't know. It's never right, and it's always it's always wrong, and it's. I don't like the system. I don't like it. I don't like the rating system, because then you're looking at quality wins over quality losses, and I don't know some weird hippie math, new age crap that goes into it. And 
It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. You just don't like it because it goes over your head. No, it just doesn't pass. (laughs) There's several teams that like never get any credit. Like for years, like TCU had like. Remember when TCU and um, uh, Boise State had like really really good teams. Right. Right, but TCU does get respect. But the problem with TCU now, is the conference they're in does not have a title game. Correct. That's their own fault. Get a title game. If you're not going to have a conference, they moved. No, they moved. They switched to go to the Big Twelve. That doesn't. Right. Ha- okay, but they, they still not. They're still not hurting themselves by not having a title game. And the Big Twelve doesn't want to get one. It seems like. Yeah. If they're not going to have a t- okay, conference champions get more respect because you can undisputedly say you're the best team in that conference. Right. Without a conference champion for the Big 12, what even, are you going to do? Even if it is a weak conference, because that's been the big thing about the Big 10 is because of such a weak conference. Right. Because there's like, what, three teams that are top out of that? Four teams, right. maybe? Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Iowa now. So. I don't know. It's It's maddening. Anyway, we got to go to a break. Unfortunately, wish we had more time here to talk. We could go hours and hours on a Monday morning. So much to talk about. We're going to try to jump, try to get all this NFL nonsense in here into about like a 10-minute spot here on the show. We'll come back. We're going to go to the National Football League after this. Supporters of WFSE include John's Wildwood Pizzeria, featuring a selection of pizza, hoagies, wings, salads, and more. John's is open daily at 105 Erie Street in Edinburgh. Information is at 814-734-7355 or on the web at johnswildwoodpizza.com. Hi, I'm Layla Ali. I might be undefeated in professional boxing, but there's one problem even I can't fight alone childhood hunger. Over 17 million kids in America may not know where their next meal is coming from. That's one in five children. Yet billions of pounds of surplus food produced right here in America just get thrown out every year. That's more than enough to feed every last hungry child. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to hungry kids before it goes to waste. But they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank by going to feedingamerica.org. Together, we can knock out hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. To help solve hunger in your community and to find your local food bank, visit feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Tuesday is no easier than Monday. Relax with some soothing R&B and stay informed on all of the upcoming campus events with me, Sincerely Gigi. Every Tuesday night at 9, I'll have decades worth of the best rhythm and blues with Edinburgh news you won't want to miss. Streaming live on the new home of Edinburgh Campus Media, edinburghnow.com. And of course, right here on WFSE 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. 9.50 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio, our final segment of the morning after. Thank you all for tuning in. Tyler and Tubby here with you. EdinburghNow.com, the TuneIn app on mobile devices. So much to get to, so little time. Seems like most of our problems we have on the show. I mean, we have a lot of problems. We do. But that's probably our biggest problem, is we don't have a lot, enough time to do such things in right. an hour slot with breaks and Right. If it wasn't for stuff. if it wasn't for silly class schedules and, and other people, we, we would really extend. Well, I don't have a class next. Yeah. Neither do you. We just continue this nonsense in another room is all we right. really do. Right. Well, maybe maybe we'll try to try to get Monday turned to a two hour slot. I don't get paid enough for that. Let's look okay. at Sunday's action. Um some good games, some bad games, some in between, some different. It started off with the nine thirty or which I was a little confused when I woke up because I, I thought my alarm clock would change on its own. It did not. No. Well I have an iHome. My previous iHome I owned um did. Okay. This one does not. Mm. Anywho, so I got up. I thought it was 9.30. It was actually 8.30. I turned on Fox, and it was some, like, evangelical thing and not the Chiefs-Lions. <laughs> I was a little confused. Imagine your surprise. I was like, uh, oh. <laughs> gotcha. All right, so the Lions needed some evangelical help. They lost 45-10. to 10, Fall to 1-7. Do you think Jim Caldwell gets fired today? I don't think. You think they stick it out for the rest of the year? One and seven. Team was eleven and five a year ago. Not much has changed. They already fired a couple offensive uh, coaches as right. the initial scapegoats. I don't think. I think they. I think they stick with this head coach throughout, which probably means he's going to get fired. 
Tampa Bay, overtime. This was a good one. I watched the end of this one. I did too. Uh, Atlanta goes right down the field, ties it up. Tampa Bay, why did you, if you're, since you say you watched this, Tampa Bay, why do you not punt that there? Why go for it on fourth down? Because crazy. That's a bad move. Lovey Smith is lucky they got a win there because I, whoever made that decision, that's a bad decision. Yeah, you go for it on fourth and two or fourth and three, whatever it was. You punt that ball deep. I know Matt Ryan's good under pressure. I know he's good in that two-minute drill. But you got to make them go the not the entire length of the field, but you got to make them go a good 40, 50, 60 yards to get in the field goal range. Right. Then they, instead they had to go 20, 30 yards. Mm-hmm. If that. If that. Yeah. To get to to get in the field goal range. But, and they've been moving the ball well all game. Yeah. But Tampa Bay does survive, gets a win. Another divisional win for Tampa Bay. They're 3-4. and four. Watch out for them. Cardinals-Browns. This is the game I watched most of. Of course, Browns fan, you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cardinals, four turnovers, but overcome that as they move to 6-2 and two with a 34-20 win against the Browns. The Browns, they look solid in this one, Tubby. They, we jumped out early, and we had some life, and then McCown got banged up. Some more, who was already injured, um, trying to be the living embodiment of Mike Pettin's play like a Brown. And go out there and tough it out. I really think he should have sat the second half. Not because I wanted to see Johnny play. Just Here's for the Johnny. Just I need to get that on my sound. Yeah, right. Just to get um just to give McCown some rest. Because I mean, like we've already discussed on the show, McCown is McCown probably the best, the best option chance, right? option to win right now. And I mean, this team is so close, but we just can't get out of our own stinking way. Hey, you played a solid Cardinal team, like I said to you. Before the show, I think the Browns play the Cardinals better than the Eagles would have played the Cardinals right now. Mm-hmm. So that's good work by them. A lot of turnovers showed a lot of faults and a lot of flaws of that Arizona Cardinals team. I, 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 I mean, I, I know there's no moral victories, but that's that was a right. heck of a game there by the Browns. Rams run over the Niners. The Niners are in trouble. And the shootout that was the third highest combined point total in NFL history, uh, with 52 to 49 victory. The Saints beat the Giants. And it's funny, the, win, the game winner was a field goal, the lone field goal attempt in the ballgame. The only one. The only one. K. Forbath with the winner. As time expires, Saints win 52-49 to over the Giants. That was a ball game right there. I didn't really watch this one until the end, but that was a heck of a game. Mm-hmm. That was good stuff. Yep. The, uh, the I Vikings. Like I mean, that's, that's all Tubby's got to say on it. The yep. Vikings-Bears, that with the Vikings. Tubby said they're legit. 5-2. and two. Watch out for Minnesota, ladies. Only one game back. One game back of the vaunted Green Bay Packers. The Packers, of course, you know, we'll get to them, but they fell last night. That wasn't even a close ball game no. between them. Um, I fell asleep at, like, the second quarter because it was just was not interesting. Uh, Chargers, Ravens. Ravens are 2-6. and six. The Chargers are 2-6. and six. I saw someone tweet out that the Chargers are the best 2-6 and six team in NFL history. But you could say the same thing about the Baltimore Ravens. They're 2-6. and six. Mm-hmm. Why is the Chargers just, they just stink. I don't know. They just can't find, like, they have so much talent, and they can't find ways to win just can't put it together. And normally it's later in the season that they have these troubles. Now it's now, week six, week seven, week eight, Mm -hmm. just wrapping up. That's nuts. Craziness. Game that meant a lot to guys around here, Cincinnati-Pittsburgh. The Bengals survive, move to 7-0 with a 16-10 victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers fall to 4-4, and not only is it a loss, in your return for Big Ben, but you lose Le'Veon Bell, who reports said this morning, quote-unquote, badly hurt his MCL. Right. Could be a tear. Most likely done for the rest of the year. Right. But in the bright spot is Cincinnati, only one offensive touchdown the entire game. That's a bright spot for whom? Well, for Pittsburgh's defense has been struggling. I don't think Pittsburgh cares. You're 4-4. Four and four. I know. I'm just trying. I'm trying to dig for something here, Steeler fan. I'm trying to help you out. I mean, that was a tough. I mean, the Bengals are the first are seven zero for the first time in franchise history. So Andy Dalton has just figured out a better way to to win in the regular season, which he's already pretty darn good at. Mm-hmm. Now he's got to see if he brings it to the postseason. Until then, I'm skeptical. But the Steelers, right. that was a tough one. That was one you should have won. Yeah. Now you're not. Now you're that Le'Veon Bell. That's going to throw your whole season into question. Right. Your whole season. And now they take on the Browns in a short week on the Thursday nighter. Right. In Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. That should be an interesting game. Mm. I'm excited to see that one. Yeah. Steelers-Cowboys in this one. Uh, as we skip over some other games that don't really matter. Uh, Steelers-Cowboys. Steelers, or excuse me, not Steelers. Seahawks-Cowboys. Seahawks, 
as we skip from the Steelers game. In Dallas, Seahawks win 13-12, move the 4-4. The Cowboys, 2-5, still winless without Tony Romo in 2015. Um, I mean, Cowboys had a lot of good offensive drives, couldn't put one in the end zone. Still Still had Russell Wilson running for his life. All the time. And they they had they, a shot. They had to have Matt Castle go down the field late, but they couldn't do it. And, you know, another thing that really screwed up the, the Cowboys here is it was, four, it was fourth and five, I believe, or four, fourth and shorter than five. They were about to attempt a field goal. The Seahawks had 12 men on the field coming out of a Seahawks timeout. Seattle calls another timeout, and the officials were going to grant it, which stopped play. And then they said, oh, wait. We can't let you do that. We can't do that. So it's allowed the Seahawks fan to get or Seahawks player to get off the field. Then they went through. But if that's a twelve man on the field penalty, that's a first down for Dallas. Right. See now that's one where you can't change the outcome of the game. That might have changed the outcome of the game, but since that happened during the game and you can't say that Dallas was going to score, you can't change that one. Just go back to our earlier argument. That's okay. a, that's that's an instance where you cannot That's change. how you tie the show together. That you can't, That's professionalism, ladies. You can't you can't do that because it's not a, a, a walk off play. But that that yeah. was a huge that was a huge thing. And the officials, the only explanation they could give was we screwed up, we erred, we stopped the play. Really, you should have thrown a flag and not granted them the the flag or the the timeout. And everyone in the building knew Seahawks just came out of a timeout, except for those officials. Right. Well, how do you correct it? You just give them the first down? No, you don't correct it. You screwed up okay. because you stopped and you let the twelfth guy get off the field. Yeah. You shouldn't have grant. He he can scream timeout in your ear all you want. You can't do that. You can't grant it. You can't go back to back timeouts. And in the Sunday night, Broncos win twenty nine to ten. Peyton Manning, legit. The real Broncos showed up. The real Broncos showed up, and that's a Broncos team. You know, Peyton Manning has carried teams for so long. The defense is carrying Peyton Manning, and he's okay with that. Right. And that's but okay I, for that. What I like about this though is that Peyton. It looks like Peyton and Kubiak have finally gotten on the exact same page. <coughs> They right. took a little bit of his offense, a little bit of what Peyton does well, right. put it in a blender, right. and out comes this dominant game. And it's working for them. They're 7-0, and still staying undefeated. For my Eagles, bye. But guess what? That was a top-notch week because the Cowboys and the Giants both lost, both lost the best week of the season for the Eagles thus far. And they didn't, and they didn't step on the field. Nope, not at all. Excellent. Good job by them. Um, they're actually in Sunday Nighter, uh, I believe, this week against mm-hmm. Dallas. Mm-hmm. So that should be an interesting one. They can even help themselves out some more. That's all for us. We'll get some more NFL talk tomorrow. NBA with Chewy, hopefully coming on in here on a Tuesday morning. We'll have Mike Fenner also on air as well. The preview, Borough Women's Soccer versus Kutztown. Other good stuff as well. Thank you all for tuning in. Check our podcast out later today on edinburgnow.com. That's Tubby. He'll be back on Wednesday. I'm Tyler. Thank you all for tuning in. And stay tuned for the rest of the week. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. And playoff action, playoff action, and keep advised for the morning after it won't turn off. We'll talk about that more. Have a great day.